Well, it's episode 33 of Auto Catch Up and another pumping week full of news. We've got a little bit of motorsport news to talk right up uh, and some things around supercars and the upcoming calendar, as well as some brands who may or may not be joining as the Gen 3 regulations come in. We also have uh, updated vehicles, the reveal of the, the GV70 from Genesis, the new SUV that's aiming for the midsize, as well as their big G80 sedan. Uh, we also have the 2022 Isuzu MEX uh, detailed um, that's arriving later next year, uh, as well as you know some news that's coming out of the US, um, such as Ram offering electric pickup truck, as well as um, the Bugatti Bolide. I think that's the way they present it. The absolutely bonkers track-focused Bugatti hypercar. Uh, and to talk through all of that with me, I've got Joel Strickland, as always, uh, at Joel Strick Photo. Welcome, mate, to the show again. Hi, Ash. How are we? Good, good. We've been uh, facing quite a few storms up here in yeah. Brisbane. Um, had some wild weather this week. Yeah, it's been an it's uh, for, for anybody um, you know that leaves a car outside has been going through a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah. I think this week in uh, in southeast Queensland, and um, unfortunately, I think a number of people as well, and in certain areas, copped quite a lot of large baseball sized hail as well, where um, you know it was. Uh, Obviously, hitting VMAX because it was uh, not only breaking roof tiles on on houses, but also it was just going straight through the glass on cars. So it's not yeah, breaking the windows. Stuff. It was just punching a hole, like a hole puncher, into you know the front and rear, rear um, windscreens, which is just you know we all know how strong those windscreens are, um, mm. and when a big you know blunt piece of ice just bust a hole through it. Um, you know, I'd hate to be a person uh, that was caught outside with that because that is, um, you know, some some major, major hail. Oh, yeah. Uh, thankfully, escaped it a little bit. Uh, only got, you know, you know the size of ice cubes when you leave it in a, you know, yeah. a rum and coke after about 15 <laughs> minutes. There's little, that's basically what we got yeah. um, at home. But I was Stop able to get... You can deal with that, all right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so we ended up taking the... So we had a Mitsubishi ASX Exceed uh, this week, the range topping ASX... Um, but I uh, were able to sneak that up to to the local shops, which had some you know some uh, solid undercover parking, mm-hmm. just as a precaution, um, because yeah, you know the safe with this sort of stuff. Absolutely. So yeah, um, just uh, nicked it up to the shops and then uh, came back home and waited for everything uh, to blow by. And you know, it's it's. I was joking with a friend where you know it's been this long since we've had um, at least even like a single storm where I hadn't noticed that they had updated the the bomb app and the radar, the rain radar. Oh, yeah, it's changed. Um, yeah, so when a friend showed me, I was like, oh, it's there, update that. And um, yeah. so, oh, yeah, it's been like that for a little while. And I said, oh, well. well as, a, sh- as a drone pilot, that's your, that one app is one of your best friends. So uh, I spent yeah. a lot of the week looking at that because we were supposed to, Again, we were supposed to get bad weather during the week and uh, with a couple of jobs that I've been doing, I've just been watching that thing like a hawk constantly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we uh, we had the reverse to you guys this week. The weather down here was was really nice. Um, we were supposed to have storms and rain and I planned most of my week around trying to you know work with the weather and uh, we didn't get any of it. So uh, it's bizarre um, that you know, we, didn't, we didn't happen to get any of it at all like that. So you guys are really copying that and same with New South Wales. 
Yeah, I think it's just going to be a sign of uh, the summer to come. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe a little bit more rain and a little less hail. I think everyone would agree that that's the ideal uh, mix. But as always, you know, with these things, we have to just plan ahead and, um, you know, try our best to, to keep vigilant and, and, you know, just keeping track of storms and, and sometimes they can come out of nowhere but um you know it is handy that you know most of our cars at home we do keep a like a, a blanket um tucked away in the boot just in case you get caught out somewhere because yeah. you can't always just run off and no. and duck to the shops or, or find some cover so um you know it's not going to stop everything but yeah we just keep a, a little um you know a large i should say a large blanket just um tucked in the in the boot and um you know just as a precaution and you know as an emergency picnic blanket as well yeah <laughs> um but no so yeah i've been driving the asx succeed in between the storms and um it's kind of funny this is this is the car i think um a lot of brands have been going for the asx has been around for for quite a long time now and it's gone through some minor visual updates i think it's on about its third life cycle update it's been around that long and um you know and I reckon if you own a first, um, you know, like a, let's say a 2012 ASX, I have a feeling you could probably go through and buy all the, you know, the bumper, the hood and all that yeah. kind of thing and retrofit your own facelift. <laughs> That's right. Um, and update the infotainment screen and you'd be about 90% of the way there. Yeah. Um, saying that, you know, it's not all bad news, if, if that makes sense, where you've got... A majority of the modern day safety systems. So you do have uh, your lane departure, your rear cross traffic alert. Um, uh, what else? Yeah. Uh, lane uh, uh, blind spot monitoring as well. No, um, not that I've experienced anyway. Uh, forward collision alert. We had an instance uh, today where <laughs> we had a car randomly stop in front of us and um, we didn't get any warning or anything like that. And I did have to make a last minute ditch just to save the person behind me because I'd rather not uh, be rear-ended on a Sunday afternoon. That's yeah. no fun for anyone. Um, but but overall, I think the Exceed is, is quite nice and it, and it hits a good price point and i think this is the you know this is the thing that mitsubishi have really been able to go for where you can jump into a fairly well specced vehicle for about thirty thousand, um and it's one of those things where um you know your chrs dukes and everything like that you know you, you're getting into them for your late 20s and, and, and really hitting most of the features by, um, you know, your your 40,000. And so this does, you know, a pretty good job. Like it's it's list price is 32,990 and this is the top of the range model. And so you do get your leather seats, your leather, um, leather steering wheel, uh, your your infotainment system is, is quite... Yeah, it's quite good. You get Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, which you know Mitsubishi have had for quite a while now. But even um, the lower, the lower specs gets the Android Auto, and, and that too does. Yeah, work. yeah, but you, but, but in this one you do have an updated Rockford and Son sound system. So uh, yeah, okay. Um, so you get a massive, huge uh, subwoofer in the boot that fills up one side of your um, boot cavity. Um, it yeah, doesn't take away from your storage space, but you, it oh, doesn't. Um, no, so it's just tucked into the sides. So it's okay. normally a bit of a wasted space anyway. Yeah. Um, you might 
throw a bottle of milk in there or something sometimes on any other card but I never found this week of having it anyway where you're going oh damn the subwoofer is stopping me from fitting something in like it didn't impact on that um and it really, you know, it sounds good for for what it is. It packs a huge punch in terms of the bass. And I think, you know, anybody who loves their music, who loves a little bit of dance music, that kind of thing, you know, they're going to love this car. And I think Mitsubishi have, you know, done a good job at understanding who the target market is for this car. Um, it is... You know, you don't get radar cruise control, which is probably just one thing I missed a little bit. But I think this the exterior design, um, even though the core of it hasn't changed, the engine hasn't changed or anything like that, um, it still has a CVT uh, transmission. It they've, like, like they've managed to keep this car looking exactly, you know, they've kept it up to date with the rest of... Um, uh, you know the rest of the model lineup, whether it's the Triton, the um, bringing into that family look. Yeah, the Eclipse Cross, like even the the latest Eclipse Cross that is being, um, you know, that is coming this month uh, in November. If you sat the ASX next to that, it will look up to date or look modern. It doesn't yeah. look, you know, like an eight or nine year old car, which. Yeah. Um, I've just been refresh, you know, reminded that yeah, according to to car advice, yeah, it's the fourth refresh that it's had. Um, you know, it's it's not going to win any performance awards or anything like that. Fuel economy is a bit high. You know, you're, you're talking acclaimed fuel economy figure of seven point nine liters. Realistically, I've been getting around nine point three to ten liters wow, per one hundred. Okay. Yeah. So, and I think it's just the age of the engine. It's still a naturally mm. aspirated engine. There's no turbochargers or anything yeah. like that. It is a CVT. Um, which, the, way it, the way it interacts with the CVT as well, it, it yeah. generally seems to hold gears a little bit. Yeah. It likes to rev more than yeah. you know, other stuff does. So. And over time, they have added more stuff into that car, don't forget. So, mm. um, you know, even though the extra safety, it's still weight, and that's weight that's holding that car down. Yeah. And um, so it is showing its age. But again, you know, you're still talking $8,000 better off mm. than, you know, a, a fairly well-specced version of its competition. Yeah. And that, at that point, is kind of... I think a lot of people will just overlook the fuel economy based on that, particularly when fuel economy at the you know fuel prices at the moment are fairly low. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of those things where I think overall it does quite well. It's got a big glass roof as well. It's not a sunroof, but it is a glass roof. Um, I don't know if it's just Mitsubishi's lately, but I wasn't. I, I did just want the air conditioning just to be that bit colder this week has been a fairly tough week in terms of um uh, temperatures up here in queensland so we've you know i've jumped into the car i've had it hit 40 degrees i've had it hit 33 31 32 so well over the 30s consistently this week and it just felt like it take a you know it took a good 15 minutes for the whole car to get cold yeah um and you just and, and it's kind of like well you just got to sweat it out until you hit that point mm-hmm. then you'll be okay um where you know i've jumped into holden vehicles like holden cruise commodore and it's cold straight away yeah. and it is a really refreshing thing when you do jump into a car that just blasts cold air yeah, exactly. um, you know at the get-go but look i think um yeah if you're wanting super forward-looking um tech and 
looks and I think, you know, performance and that kind of thing, be prepared to spend a little bit more for another, you know, for another vehicle. But if you're wanting good value, um, this is certainly a car to, to consider um, because, yeah, the price point is just one of those things where it's hard to ignore. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing is, you know, I've had them, I've had them a couple of times as rental cars, and yeah. you know, they're a great little car for that purpose, yeah. and I think that's why they've done so well. And they've got with- a good size as well because they don't have any funny roof lines or anything like that. Um, front and rear passenger space is is you know pretty good. It's not you know it's it's not the biggest because it is a car of its size, but um, yeah, it is certainly. Uh, pretty good overall for headroom for even you know someone who's over six foot so yeah it's um it's pretty good and still pretty good with the storage as well yes yeah so you do get um some nice center i i found it much better than um the what was i uh driving last week the outlanders um i was i was always hunting for somewhere to put something in the outlander um particularly up front but in the in the asx there's lots of different spots to hide things and multiple cup holders to throw stuff in a good storage spot i think um under the main um Center console, I think, from memory for phones yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it's it works out well for that. So it it, it does help um, with you know if you are a bit more of a you know who needs a bit more practical space um, and and having CarPlay and all that thing is also it's a, a huge bonus. Oh yeah, even in a in a car that's a you know. The platform is a little bit older. Mm. You're not missing out on those things either, no, which it should be um, one of those. I think we've said before in that kind of entry price point car. Car now, it should be a, a kind of thing that just happens. That yeah, has to, it has to be there. Really. Yeah. Well, I was so I was talking to a good friend of mine um, just uh, on Friday, and he owns a huge swath of um, different levels of cars, hypercars, or well, not hypercars, but but sports cars and supercars um as well as a lot of other um vehicles all in between and classic cars and stuff like that and um he made a really good point of the next four wheel drive that he buys because he's been playing around with a different number of off-roading vehicles and the one criteria that he has and he has the ability to you know he has a lot more flexibility than most others to to purchase what he wants but the key criteria for him is that it has to have carplay and unfortunately for him at the moment the you know two of the key leaders in his current sort of shopping list of an off-roading vehicle to replace his land rover is a nissan patrol and a toyota land cruiser and and neither do carplay neither have yeah exactly like neither of them have carplay and he is kind of a little bit over um the the land cruiser because he set the um drive around australia uh, record mm-hmm. um, in in one, and it said it, he you know, it did a great job, uh, but you know once you've spent uh, I think it was like six days in it nonstop mm-hmm. setting a record, you kind of you know you don't really want to go back there again. Yeah, and so it leaves the patrol, and even then um, we do know we, we spoke about a couple of episodes ago that it has um, you know a warrior version coming potentially next year, and um, like the infotainment know, system in say like the Navara and a few others, Apple CarPlay and stuff like that. So yeah, and, and so it's just one of these things where an update to fit it. 
Yeah, so, and this is what, you know, and this brings back to the ASX is saying that Mitsubishi have done a great job at keeping that infotainment system up to date. And they're not afraid of, you know, going through and spending a little bit of money in ensuring that it has those features because they know that that's important to buyers. Mm. And um, and I wish that would be something that um, other car makers sort of take on board and go yeah. invest a little bit of money. It doesn't because it doesn't have to be a lot because you can steal it from other similar models that you've got and ensure those features are available. I know that Jaguar listened to customer feedback and um, begrudgingly, you know, at, at the beginning it was a bit begrudgingly, but obviously it helped them with vehicle sales and, mm. and customer happiness. So yeah, when they were happy to that, do it, but they rolled that. it out and also included some previously older models as well in that update to mm. ensure that, you know, CarPlay was available. And now Jaguar offer, you know, one of the best, CarPlay experiences because they've got a beautiful wide widescreen in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is just one of those things where buyers now across all different price points are going, CarPlay is important or even Android Auto is important um, that, you know, um, it, it's a must-have because it it just offers a level of convenience yeah. no other infotainment system can really can't offer. Buy your the competitor just because it has CarPlay over, you know. Absolutely. You're going to lose a sale as a result. Yep. So why wouldn't you yep. include it? It's such a basic thing, and it seems like when you talk about it on um, a superficial level, where you go, "Oh, it's just one feature, and it's not even anything to do about the car." But the thing is, it's all about that driving experience, and the driving experience is having your contacts, your calendar, your podcasts your music streaming app of choice not just the it's one just which the, the car phone, maker the decides phone, just the phone call and message just phone and, and sms alone just those two alone are just enough to you know understand why you want to you want to have it because it just integrates everything particularly now with you know the files that people are they're dishing out now for for use of mobile phones absolutely it's a safety it's now a safety yeah. aspect as well yeah and and the thing is is that um you know if you if you own multiple brands of car um having android auto or carplay means that you can take the setup and the user experience with you and the personalizations that you do and so you don't have to learn a different infotainment setup or anything like that because even now you can just go hey um voice assistant play you know, 97.3 or Nova or something like that. And it will tune, it will stream. It won't tune the actual radio itself. But, you know, I learned this only last week or something when I just jokingly did it because I learned that you can get um, Siri to play your news updates for you using your voice and just say, hey, such and such what's the news and it'll give me um, a 30 I think it's like a minute long news update from the ABC that's the current news and I'm like oh that is amazing (laughs) that's like I don't know why like I didn't think of that this would be available um, as a feature before and it's those things so now I just use it all through that because I can just use my voice or very easily use the you know the touch interface that they build that works and um you know it's just straightforward and it doesn't matter what car i am in yeah it's a consistent experience and i know what it's going to do and i know how it's going to interact so exactly what you're saying if you need to respond to a text message and your car doesn't have carplay you have to pull the car over and then 
use your phone, which slows down your journey and also potentially depending on where you're pulling over also isn't pulling over isn't always the safest when you have limited pulling over options um if you're on the highway it's best to not stop on the highway or even in an emergency spot because it's not always safe um and the thing is if you're you know if you have android auto coupler you can just listen to what the text message is and then use your voice to respond and it's done I know. Even though and the punctuation might not be perfect, safely because once you get the feel of it, you know, once you yeah. spend some time in the car yeah. and you know the ins and outs of how yeah. it works, you, you generally become second nature and you just know yeah. how to use it. So, and even um, I'm not sure if people know that use Apple iPhones, but if you send a text message like an uh, like an iMessage, like the blue bubble message to another iPhone user, it will actually tell them that you used Siri mm. to write that message and so if there's a word that isn't right or anything like that or the punctuation's crap that other person will know that oh you used your voice to do it so I'll give you a little bit of leeway compared to but the beauty of it is is you can change it if it makes the stuff up that's you learn to yeah. work with Siri and, and it, every time I've had CarPlay and it's made a mistake, you just say change and it changes it and yeah. it's great. Like it's yeah. so handy. So, And it, again, it comes back to that safety aspect that your do- eyes don't have to lead the road. It's all under fingertips on, on you know, normally it's yeah. a steering wheel control um, and it re- reads everything back to you. So, yeah. Yeah, you can just continue. Oh, and, and then it comes down to the maps as well. You've got the latest maps. So whether mm. you use Google Maps, Apple Maps, or whatever, um, I I switch between Google Maps and Apple Maps simply because Apple Maps will learn and anticipate where I'm going based on the time of day and where I'm jumping in the car from. So if it knows that at this time I normally go to the gym from home. It will go. It will anticipate and say, "Hey, you probably want to go here," and it will just silently give me directions there. Um, and if I keep going and then I venture a little too far off, like or I just head in the opposite direction, it will then pick up and go, "Ah, oh, okay, you're not going to the gym right now. Okay, cool. I'll keep. I'll, I'll take note of that." And um, it just it just helps you because the thing is, I use directions a lot today, even though I know where I'm going, just to make sure I'm not going to get any um unexpected traffic yeah, and traffic's the big the big thing with that exactly so i don't really i don't really use it to get directions these days i use it to get traffic and like when i have my sister in the car she's like oh what <laughs> why do you need to set it like why are you telling it where we're going um even though you know where you're going i said oh but well because i need to know if i need to turn right or turn left because you know there's two ways to get there and i don't want to get the one that's going to leave us you know getting there five minutes later than we really need to if i could have made the choice to change the other way yeah but anyway so let's um let's jump into some news shall we um we've got motorsport up um so uh with biggest update first um newgard wins the grand prix of st petersburg the indycar um any any more details that sort of came out of that how did the uh yeah it was good uh, unfortunately scotty didn't have the best race he yep. he was up there and then he had an incident um coming into around the last corner and he um he spun and tangled with uh another driver so unfortunately he went out about halfway through the race Mm-hmm. Um, but he said it was a really good learning experience and, and learned a lot from it. But all eyes 
bar Scotty's debut, which is whatever most people, particularly in Australia, were watching, was yeah. the battle for the championship between New Garden and Scott Dixon from New Zealand. And um, yeah, it, you know, it was Scott's real lose. Um, he needed to finish, I think, ninth or better um to to take the championship out and Newgarden needed to win every bonus point including the pole on Saturday which he didn't manage to do so he was kind of against it um he still won the race uh, he had a good race um it's a great circuit St Petersburg it's actually on a um active airport um mm-hmm. right um on the on the coast in there in uh, St Pete um and yeah it was a real circuit to watch uh, good good street circuit um lots of action um after watching the F1 race the night before uh I was bored out of my mind watching the F1 race but uh, yeah, the I think I dozed off a couple of times in that one uh, it was uh, it was a lot better so yeah I can't wait for next season um yeah there's currently uh, lots happening in terms of sort of driver movements and there's a bit of shifting around and there's a few seats still available. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting because um, Penske next year will, are going to run, um, obviously, New Garden again, um, but they're going to run Scotty as well. Um, and then they'll also run uh, Will Power and then also... Um, uh, oh, I've got a mental blank. The um, they're going to bring in a NASCAR driver as well. Jimmy Johnson will mm-hmm. also run with it. So yeah, it's going to be a really really interesting season next year. Um, but it's great to see um, Scotty take out his title. Um, he's now record equaling with six. Um, he's going to go for seven next year, and that'll actually give him you know the most ever um, IndyCar titles if he if he wins it. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty impressive you know for his. Attempt, you know, he literally left um, New Zealand and went to took a gamble and went to the US. So, you know, Scotty's had a successful season because he started a, a younger, but you know, potentially we'd love to see him in it for the next sort of ten years and stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a good race, and uh, I can't wait for next season. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, it's going to be different without him in supercars, but yeah. I think, yeah, it'll be uh, great great to see another, you know, V8 supercar or supercar driver sort of make that make that transition and hopefully, you know, translate it into, into some success. Yeah. But speaking of uh, supercars, so 2020, oh, sorry, 2021, um, the calendar remains a little bit uncertain uncertain we know that the Adelaide 500 uh, has been cancelled much to the dismay of pretty much everyone except for the South Australian government for some reason who believe it's um, unviable yeah so it uh, it keeps you know that that calendar uncertain for a lot of events uh, moving forward they already planned to move Clipsal to the end of the year it's going to be sort of uh, to, to take Newcastle spot effectively yeah. Um, because they were already worried about issues with COVID. So, um, yeah, it, it had already been shifted. Um, so, yeah, but then, yeah, they've come out during the week. There was a rumour that broke, and the next thing it was confirmed. And, yeah, unfortunately, it's, uh, it won't back, so, which is a shame. Um, I went many years ago and had a really, you know, the the atmosphere in Adelaide is just brilliant at, at the yeah. time of year. It's a great it? street circuit. Yeah, 
and it's always great racing and it was always yeah. good to watch so look at you know it's a shame now but yeah so much of the calendar is you know it is up in the air we are waiting for confirmation of, of stuff to happen I, I believe it well, I thought it was going to be this week gone that they were going to announce but it must be next week um, mm-hmm. there's talk that New Zealand are back on it we believe that Bathurst will be probably the opener in February uh, for the sprint round and then obviously it's all about where everything sits so they're now saying because um, we've had confirmation that the Grand Prix will be in there as well in, in, in Melbourne so yeah we're just kind of waiting to see where everything where all everything falls effectively yeah. Um, but there's talk that, you know, the Gold Coast may now be the fin- final round of the year. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I think we'll be looking, you know, we'll watch this closely to see where yep. where it all falls, um, hopefully in the next week or so. Mm. And with uh, Gen 3, we spoke about how the, the Chevrolet Camaro will be coming as part of that Gen 3. Uh, and obviously, we'll talk about how Gen 3 opened the door to a number of different manufacturers as well, potentially, um, even with the, I guess, the white label engine and everything like that um but one that was suspected to join which was kia um they've ruled out joining supercars it seems under the gen 3 which is a bit of a shame yeah they said it doesn't fit with their branding and and their um their model which kind of makes sense because for probably their non-biggest seller which is the stinger which is going to be their car um you know most of their market now is based around the sort of SUV market to a certain degree, um, along with you know the Serato and 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 we've talked about Carnival and things like that. So yeah. Look, look, right, look I wouldn't be. I wouldn't like be opposed it, to having a Kia Carnival supercar. Yeah, that you would know, go you know, truck racing almost. <laughs> yeah, so. that's um, right. But yeah, and I think that's kind of weird, which makes perfect sense, and I, I totally understand where they're coming from. But I think a lot of people had hoped that that's where it would go, but. Yeah, I still think that there's other brands out there. We've discussed it before, whether it be Toyota or whether it be BMW. Um, you know, it, it's got to be someone I think that that has that model that they can promote around their business. I mean, Hyundai yeah. look involved in TCR, but you know, you know, Genesis could be even. Who knows? You know, there's yeah. lots of interest in it. But yeah, Kia have turned around and said and have confirmed that they aren't aren't interested. So it, uh, mm. it well, at least we know now it won't be them, but. Who we? We just don't know at the moment. Yeah. And speaking of not interested, it seems like Queensland wasn't interested in keeping Wink Up and the Triple Eight <laughs> staff in. Um, yeah, this story broke um, a bit of a before weird one. the mainstream media had it, um, before the motorsport media had it. It, it got broken through. Um, Courier Mail, I think, um, pushed out a story that hit my phone uh, last earlier this week um, on Monday night because most of the mate, the motorsport media went with on Tuesday morning saying that Winkup and a few of his st- the staff um, had been told to leave um, the state and go back. So they had a because um, Jamie's actually um, trained to drive trucks, so he has a, a B double license. So he offered to drive the truck back to uh, back to Queensland after Bathurst and had a freight pass, um, but for reasons unbeknown that the um, they apparently breached the regulations and so um, they turned up at the workshop and said well hang on you haven't done this right you have to leave so they've had to return back to the bubble which is just across the border in in New South Wales and have to wait out there 14 days so 
which is interesting. But yeah, this is the the rules that Queensland have made, and yeah, uh, they're not very popular with a lot of the country at the moment because no. they, they refuse to open the border. But yeah, that, that's the rules that it is, and that's why so much of the team, so many of the teams went across and decided to stay. Um, I think it's Kingscliff, I think, just south of, yeah, Kingscliff, yeah. Just south of the Queensland New South Wales border where they're all in a bubble, but they don't have to isolate in a hotel. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Jamie thought he was doing the right thing, but it uh, hasn't worked out that way. Yeah, I guess, you know, from one side, they're you know, figuring that they're probably being a little bit cheeky in that sense, but, you know, it, it's just uh, yeah, it hasn't how they want it to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we talked about Extreme E a little while ago with uh, Lewis Hamilton and even Nico Rosberg having their own teams participating, um, but it looks like they've revealed the deliveries uh, for the teams that are competing as well as um, uh, an updated calendar so be exciting to see this uh, get underway yeah, in march it's nice, it's nice to see the colors and that they're going well so the yeah. canassi racing um have gone like a yellow uh, design and flavor um andretti united have actually gone there welcome well the, the kind of colors of their shield along with the way that the walkinshaw shield is is that white blue and red which looks pretty pretty jazzy yeah um so yeah it's interesting so the calendar kicks off um early next year in march uh, in saudi arabia and then it goes to Senegal in May, uh, Greenland in August. That should be pretty cool to watch. That's in the yeah. Arctic. And then the Amazon in the Brazil in October, and then Argentina uh, in December. So it's quite spread out. But the way most of the um, cars are transported, they're all transported on by ship. So they've all got one ship that's designed to run on uh, biofuel, a biodiesel mm-hmm. fuel, I believe it is. Um so that ship has been retrofitted and it will, will effectively be their transport. So um, it means they can go to these places and obviously take their time. Um, and, yeah, so that'll be uh, quite interesting to, to follow that. But it would have yeah. been cool to see if they had to force them to drive it from race to race. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially across some of the continents. So. That's it, yeah. Um, but there's a group shot. It would be like the long the... way round, wouldn't it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a... There's a you know, there's an overall shot of a few more deliveries, and they all look quite good. Um, they're yeah. all CGI at this stage because yeah. the cars obviously. At least at finished. the moment, they're not too crazy heavy on sponsors. I know no. that sometimes, I know sponsors are very important, and you know, so don't get me wrong on that. But um, but some of these deliveries right now, you know, they they look so nice when they're clean. You know, you get some nice solid colors. Yeah. You know, those designs really get to come through uh, when they're not littered with uh, with logos. They get to use their branding as as a business and stuff like that, yeah. and you know show their tr- their true colours and things like that. So it's actually quite yeah. good in the way that that kind of works as well. Yeah. Okay, so Formula One, we've got another race at Imola. Um, so it's the third Italian race uh, this season coming up, and um, obviously, so if you're listening to this, we won't have the results just yet. We do know at the moment P- uh, Pierre Gasly starting in fourth, uh, Bottas is starting on pole, Hamilton second, and Verstappen in third. Um, and so that should be uh, heating up to be a good race. It is a the first um, time in modern times that it has been a two-day event. So normally we have two, three practice sessions, um, so two on the Friday, one on uh, the Saturday with the qualifying in the afternoon, and then the race on Sunday. But it's weird this, with this shorter weekend, it's kind of weird having that traditional Friday night. Yeah. You know, you can catch up on well, the practices and whatever else and then that's right instead of having just one practice and yeah. qualifying on saturday it's yeah. kind of really weird. 
It has um, opened up the door. I think uh, AlphaTauri have really struck their, you know, struck their stride at Imola. Um, even Kvyat is record, you know, is uh, managed to, to nab eighth in quality, and um, so I think that's a really strong representation for AlphaTauri being, you know, the junior, t- you know, in, in, insert quotes, the junior team to to Red Bull, and um, so I think they've really stepped up and, and taken advantage of this weekend and the limited um, information that all of the teams have because um, the only driver that has raced in F one. <laughs> At this track, at this track is Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah. Um, nobody else has raced an F1 car here, so oh, I've got to send you the um, the really cool uh, meme that someone sent me over the weekend. It's a picture of um, all the sort of top four guys at the moment. They're about seven or eight, and then uh, uh, yeah. did you see that the one with the yeah, ball? Yeah, and, and, and Kimi finished fifteenth. Yeah. <laughs> I also saw another one um, of uh, what was it? Um, I think it's out of Scarface or even The Godfather, where they're all around the table and they've got, you know, in the, on the left-hand side one, it's um, Schumacher, Alonso, uh, Kimi, and a couple other drivers, you know, the last time they were there. And then it fast-forwarded to, you know, this time, and it's just Kimi sitting, you know, it's like, you know, the one that was labelled as Kimi, that character sitting there on its own, just an empty table, you know, as it's 2020. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting race. I love the track. It is a really fast track. There's um, some great elevations there. Um, they've been really harsh on uh, certain spots for track limits as well. So we've seen a, a number of track limit violations, even just in the practice and the quality sessions. So I think that will be interesting. The first lap is going to be a ripper um, in particular. It's just depending on how the rest of the race unfolds, yeah, I think, is depending exactly. on how interesting it's going to be. Um, but yeah, but we have had uh, this week confirmed. So Alfa Romeo have confirmed a that they're remaining the title naming rights sponsor and primary thing for Sauber. So that relationship, but as Alfa Romeo is remaining uh, for next year, they're also confirmed that Antonio Giovinazzi and Kimi Raikkonen are. Going, to, uh, re- they reconfirmed that those are going to be their drivers for next season as well. So no changes for Alfa Romeo. Um, Alfa Tori have confirmed that um, Pierre Gasly will be staying, um, and so he should be after the stellar season that he's had so far in Alfa Tori. They haven't confirmed who's going to be taking up that second seat, um, whether it's Kvyat keeping that spot and I think that is that spot is his to to try and keep um, and to prove that he should deserve it and I think Imola will be a great opportunity for that um, or whether they uh, will be you know bringing somebody else across um, I uh, it's a big mess that Red Bull have found themselves in um, particularly with that second seat in Red Bull um, and particularly, you know, drivers like Perez, time is limited for them to to find a seat, and um, Red Bull won't be able to wait forever on naming who that second person mm. will be. Whether they reconfirm it's Albon, because uh, they have said multiple times there that Albon. Another, there was another story I read during the week that um, uh, they kind of slipped it. They think it'll possibly be. It's kind of his unless I yeah. think they get a better yep. offer, possibly. Exactly. You know, so, yeah. Um, so they're, they're I showing think- confidence. Yeah, I think they've just found themselves in a really awkward spot because all four drivers in um, f- that are driving in Red Bull teams in Formula One at the moment have all had seats in Red Bull, and three of those drivers 
have all kind of not performed at all at the level that's probably expected of Red Bull. Mm. So that even though Daniel Kvyat was probably demoted probably a little bit too early, I think he probably shouldn't have been removed as But he as had to then prove himself. That's the thing. You, you get pushed up there to yeah. do it. But he was getting don't... podiums. He was, things. Yeah. he was just probably a little bit too aggressive as a driver, but mm. he was performing in that seat. Uh, but it did open up the spot, obviously, for Max Verstappen at that point yeah. in time. Um, but then, so we've got Kvyat back in AlphaTauri where he's, you know, taking a little while to find his groove. But, you know, he did have time out of Formula One in between leaving, you know, leaving AlphaTauri or, or leaving Toro Rosso at that point and the rejoining. Um, then you've got um, Gasly, who only lasted as long as he did, and then then Alexander Albon. So they're in a really tough spot, and um, I'm not sure where they really want to go or what they can do. Um, but... Yeah, in terms of drivers, it's still very much a little bit open. We are getting a few more confirmations, and those seats are drying up slowly. Um, but you know, we'll keep you updated updated as and we go. see where go. those the others go. Like uh, Grosjean's right. talking about going to IndyCar, and I, I'd be interested to see where he's going to go there because the seats yeah. are drying up pretty quick over there. Yeah. Um, and there's not a lot of you know, no. even some of the top guys are, are wondering about them. You know, Elio Castroneves, who has been doing sports car racing for Penske, is. You know, he's been fishing for a seat possibly to come back. You know, there was talk that, um, uh, look, Sato's, you know, Takuma Sato's locked in. Um, I just wonder if the allure of a Formula One driver is um, too good to resist because obviously as an open-wheel driver... The thing is, is Grosjean's been attracted to go back to it because... um, uh, because there's only four ovals, and so he's you know he's more a road course driver, or yeah, street co- street course driver. So yeah, it's um it'll be interesting to see and to see where he ends up. So yeah, you know, there's been a few other refugees. There's talk that Ericsson you know might go back, and and yeah, it's it's yeah it's interesting. Yeah, because there's even this. uncertainty with uh, Esteban Ocon mm. as well. So whether he will actually hold on to but his he Renault was seat. Quick in, I think practice. Um, yeah. I think it's just the consistency side of things, I think, with Ocon at the moment. Um, You know, he's certainly got the the pace, but as well as as a brand, I'm I'm not sure how well-liked he is from a fan perspective. Mm. I always see it's generally mixed, and, you know, that obviously plays a part in terms of sponsors and um, and press coverage as well. So it, it's not a, you know, it's not a deciding factor, but it's certainly going to be something that they will be evaluating when they look at the driver's yeah. market and, and see who's available and, you know, who's the balance of quick and, you know, PR friendly as well. And, mm. and I think that's why Daniel Ricciardo is quite in demand as a driver, because he obviously is very popular amongst fans across yeah. you know a huge number of it's markets as well as being sales, that's for sure. pretty quick that's right yeah so so before we that. cut across to, uh, to uh, moving into sort of local news there's one little thing we talked about last week that um, Ken Block's Jim Carnacar had gone for sale and it's actually coming to Australia um, oh wow it was sold okay. at Barrett and Jackson um, and it's been announced during the week that Stephen Grove um, has bought it to to go to his ever increasing uh Car collection. He also already owns the Sandman Supercount Triple Eight bought, um, and yeah, he they bought it and it's coming here. So oh, they want to use it for some sponsor um, commitments that they do and and some charity stuff that they they're involved with. So um, I think it's not just going to go sit in a museum. They're obviously going to do something with it, and we might actually see it do you know some activity. Could it turn up at a supercars event? Could it be 
where I don't know, but the fact that it's coming to Oz is pretty cool. Yeah. Do we know how much it's sold for? Yeah, two hundred thousand dollars US. Okay. And the beauty with that is a hundred percent of that money all goes to t- the Team Rubicon charity as well. So. Um, yeah, that's cool. So that was a sort of win-win in that respect. As I said last week, I thought it would have gone for more, but the fact that you know, one hundred percent of it's going to charity. It's um, yeah, one hundred percent of some good money going to to something. So, absolutely. Okay, local news time. Um, so this one will be a quick one. Um, but many, you know, they've, they've and, and BMW Group as a general. Um, on a general scale, haven't really, you know, they've really lost their way a little bit in terms of electrification and sort of the models that they're offering compared to, you know, their competitors, Mercedes, uh, Audi, and even Jaguar on the, on that level in terms of offering hybrids and electric vehicles. And um, with their new leadership installed uh, on the BMW group level, they're regaining a little bit of focus now and um, they're starting with the mini brand in particular um, to restart, I guess, some of that, you know, from a branding perspective as well, that strength in, in their lineup and, and recognition. So they're focusing on electrification with the mini brand and um, will be bringing at least two new crossover models, uh, primarily aimed for the Chinese market. But um, this is great news for our local market as well because with these two electric crossovers and the popularity of mini here in the, in its niche that it, that it has here, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of these um, crossovers make their way down under in uh, in some form. Yeah, I think particularly it'll all be based on the success of the Mini Electric. I think yeah, yeah. that has the take up and and the success that they hope it does. Um, I think it'll it obviously look strongly for these obviously rumored new SUVs um, yeah. crossovers. But if, if they're crossovers, it means they can be slightly bigger. Does that mean also mean they can put bigger batteries in it? Does it also mean that they have better range? Um, yeah. I think that's kind of a win-win. I think the, the current electric is probably just a little bit low on range. Um, yes. But if you're going crossover, which means that you want to be going further, I think uh, the range would need to be higher. But, mm. yeah, I'm intrigued to see. Well, there were a few it- articles that, that came out back in um, 2019 talking about that leadership change that BMW had and the outgoing CEO. Um, this isn't verbatim, but basically saying... Um, that yeah, the 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 faults of his um, it's it was basically his fault for not having BMW in the stronger position uh, in terms of electrification and the Mini EV was you know the you know the example of that where it didn't quite have the technology or the range or anything like that that really was a, you know a game changer or a sort of a leader in that space it's still a great car it just needs a little bit more range i think to be a bit more practical bmw certainly and we've spoken about this have um you know done things to help address that in terms of range anxiety by offering as part of the program that's available with the mini ev um is even you know like you can get a a countryman for the weekend to go on a longer trip away or anything like that um a number of times a year so you know it's a good idea for that respect so exactly so they're kind of aware of it and they know the work which they need to do and it certainly means that you shouldn't be put off from buying a mini ev particularly if you live in a city and you're not doing crazy miles because you know the minis are great cars. They're they're well put together. Um, you know they're a little bit expensive, but I think it's you know they really nail their intended market um, in a in a great way. And I think um, you know it's exciting. It's always exciting when when new vehicles are, are coming out and you know they are packing more electric 
attack in it uh, compared to previous ones. So yeah, it's uh, it's great. <laughs> Next up, uh, we've got the updated 2021 Jaguar E-Pace. Um, so we've got some prices and specs as well. And um, they've also dropped the diesel um, as they sort of focus in on, um, you know, key models as well as introducing a 48-volt uh, mild hybrid system. So it starts from 63900 uh, which certainly isn't cheap. But I think um, for if you're wanting a premium small SUV, you know, these are great little looking things on the road um i've seen a few on the road here up in queensland and um you know they they basically look like a, an f pace just shrunk down a little yeah. bit and they're a good size too like yeah. reasonably good in terms of what you can um what can fit in the back of them as well um and yeah they like you said they look like um a shrunken f pace but yeah, yeah interesting that they've got rid of the um uh, the diesel it's a weird choice to yeah look I'm not really that surprised I think a lot of brands European brands are slowly moving away from diesel we know that Porsche are not making diesels anymore um, I think uh, the, the particularly the reputation of diesel in Europe now you know that that trend has certainly changed over on that side and you know we're slowly catching up on with that and um i think it sort of makes a little bit of sense um on the smaller vehicle side still in the larger suv side people prefer diesels um in there and when i spoke to to bmw even at the launch of the x5 um the current generation x5 you know the diesel was one of the the launch models because of you know in that segment it's important people still buy it you know, in big numbers. But in these smaller vehicles, um, petrol, you know, they're just as efficient. The performance with the turbos is certainly um, pretty much on par or even better and this thing is good space inside as well yeah. it's got quite a big sort of deep yeah. boot in it and um, it can and also be a bit more quieter it, it's, when they're petrol it's, still, it's very Jag feel it's very nice with the the interior feel of it as well yeah um, and yeah it's an impressive um, it's an impressive little thing so yeah. the fact that they've updated it um, you know with a just that little bit of a you know tidy up there's little bits of the lines that you can see with it um, around that front end and the grill and just some of the down the body line um, through the doors and stuff like that. It's just that little bit nicer. Um, Certainly is, particularly in this uh, one that we're looking at is like a dark blue yeah, with black nice wheels. Color. It looks looks tidy. Um, and the, you know, so you've got a, an entry level R dynamic, which produces 184 kilowatts and 365 newt meters of torque from a two liter four cylinder with a nine speed auto. Um, but then you can go all the way up to a 300 sport, which has that mild hybrid system, and you get about 221 kilowatts and 400 newt meters. So that's a pretty good chunk of power yeah. in a car this size. Eight, and for 80 grand, it's, um, yeah. it's pretty good. And zero to hundred six point nine seconds. It's pretty respectable for something like this. Like it's certainly not an X three M forty I, but it's not wanting to be that. It is smaller. You're looking at, um, you know, what would you say, like X one kind of size. Um, so like in the in, in that between, isn't bigger. it? Yeah, it it's does, in, it does, in, it's in between. It's kind of like a, it's like a Colios. It feels yeah. bigger than what it really is. Yeah. Um, and it 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 gives you. Like, it's not massive, but the size is really well um, designed. Like, it, it doesn't yeah. feel claustrophobic, even though it's a smaller one. But it, it feels mm-hmm. like it, you know, that it's still it's still got a lot of room in it, even yeah. though it's not massive. Yeah. 
Yeah, so first delivery is expected to arrive in the first quarter of 2021. Uh, there are four models, so your entry-level um, SP250, and all of these are all-wheel drive, by the way, so there's no front-wheel drive or anything like that, which I think is great. Uh, so all of these are all-wheel drive, so start at 63900 and then um, you've got your P250, HSC P250, um, and then your, your top-of-the-range 300 Sport uh, with that hybrid system at 79600 So, um, yeah, it's... It's, it looks good. Um, it's coming soon, so I'll um, I'll, I'll drop a note because uh, I know the Jaguar they're dropping a lot of new models at the moment. So um, I'll drop a note and see if uh, if they're sending any up here to to Brisbane yeah, to to have a go. Because uh, I'd be definitely wanting to see how that hybrid mild hybrid system mm. works as well. And what kind uh, of fuel so continue- economy it allows for as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so next up, um, continuing on the, you know, the launch uh, sort of waterfall of uh, things coming out of Genesis. So the all-new G80 sedan has been revealed, um, and it is arriving uh, this month with two engine and transmission combinations. Um, I think it, it, it's they're really nailing this sort of, you know, kind of Bentley but different enough from being a Bentley kind of, you know, exterior styling, which I think really, really works for Genesis. Um, but you've got... Um, a turbocharged two and a half liter four cylinder petrol engine, two hundred and twenty four kilowatts and four hundred and twenty two newton meters, going to the rear wheels with an eight speed auto. Um, but you also have a an upper level which is a three point five liter two hundred and seventy nine kilowatt five hundred and thirty newton meter turbo V six, um, with power being sent to all four wheels via that same eight speed auto. Um, so pricing starts at eighty four thousand nine hundred dollars before you're on roads, and um, that's for the entry level four cylinder. Well, it's not really entry level, but you know what I mean. Um, or nine, or just a hair under hundred thousand for that three point five T, um, which is a big step up from that original G eighty. But um, you know, as they talk about in this Witch Car article, it is a big step up in terms of equipment and technology, and um, you know, sort of premium feel. So um, you get a twelve inch head up display. Um, a digital a digital instrument cluster, another digital display that's 14 and a half inches in the center. Um, and then basically in the luxury package, you also get things such as a, uh, you get more, you know, a bigger 3D display um, as well as a further pair of 9.2 inch touchscreens for the rear occupants. Um, yeah, I think... This is all kind of great. It's an all genuine leather that's been used throughout, um, and you even get Napa leather in the luxury package. So that's Napa leather is always something that I've associated with uh, things like BMW. Um, they've done well. It's a very, it's a great feeling leather. Um, but yeah, so they've definitely stepped things up. You know, you got new twenty-one speaker Harman stereo handwriting recognition for the touchscreen. Um, yeah, I think uh, this is pretty cool. And a lot of the tech in the G80 is similar to the GV80 SUV, um, which I keep emailing uh, the our friends at Genesis of trying to find out when it's going to be available because I'm really keen to, to get behind the, you know, the wheel of these vehicles um, because had such a great time in them and really enjoyed what they were and the price points they hit in the first generation or even, you know, in, in the G80 and in the G70 that came before. But, you know, these have got me, um, you know, excited and we've spoken about this 
in previous episodes. So those things, there's a huge list of technology, which is kind of, you know, some of it's exactly what you expect. Other stuff is, um, you know, as we've sort of, sort of mentioned, uh, there's no performance or fuel economy figures just at the moment, um, but as soon as that's available, we'll let you know. I'm really um, intrigued to see what... Um you know, what they look like in person, but I'm really liking the GV70 look. It's it's kind of like a lifted wagon. Like It's kind of yeah, what an SUV is. is, but it's got a very yeah. w- really nice wagon rear to it. Yeah. Um, it's got a little bit of DBX to it, uh, to the to the rear of it. But, um, yeah, they look good. Uh, I'm excited to see how they do and particularly what the take-up's like, you know, in terms of what they're doing. I mean, they've just signed, you know, a new, a new ambassador in... In Michael Clark, um, which is an interesting step for them, but I think that probably <laughs> interesting is one way to put it. Yeah, but I think <laughs> probably around. Uh, I think for his, um, I don't know. I I, say, I, I, I'm not really base, sure if people buying Genesis vehicles are. It, it, it's a good person to to associate with the brand. I yeah, it kind of works. Um, I can see where they've come from and why they've gone down that yeah. route. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty keen to get behind. Like yes. I dash behind the wheel yeah. of one of those and see yeah. what it's like. I drove, I've driven both engine plants, um, like from the G80, and I, I prefer the yeah. prefer the bigger 3.5 like most people. Yes. A bit more power, but the all-wheel drive system is it seems to be a little bit nicer to drive. Yeah. So yeah, I'm keen to, like you said, so we can get behind one and actually mm. experience it. That'll be yeah. the, that'll be the fun thing. Yeah, so the um, the GV70, which you mentioned, Joel, is um, essentially uh, the smaller version of the GV80. Um, again, like the GV80 and the G80, sort of mirroring, you know, their levels of equipment and what they're going for. The GV70 is very much the same where it goes with the G70 uh, sedan. And, um, you know, sort of fits to take on the Q3, the X3 and the Mercedes um, GLA. And, um, yeah, so they're saying uh, an entry-level 2-litre four-cylinder and a 3.3 turbocharged six-cylinder. And, um, you know, that's what they're speculating anyway, or it even could get the 2.5-litre four-cylinder that we'd mentioned in the G80. So we're not exactly sure, but in terms of the photos, it is, again, very much along the lines of what we've um, commented on. Um, In terms of the design, I think it looks great. And um, but nothing, you know, it's nothing groundbreaking compared to what the other Genesis vehicles have done. A great job of keeping everything consistent, which obviously helps them hit a, you know, a certain uh, economies of scale, mm. you know, for that. Um, but which you know makes sense because Hyundai, the parent company of Genesis, are wanting to, you know, compete with the big boys, but do it at a price point that um, they can really make a dent um, in those sales as well. Yeah, and it'll be uh, interesting, like I said, like how they go with their, with their, their model of how they're selling them. Um, but, yeah, I think it, uh, it'll be just once we start seeing them more of on the road, we know that it's obviously yeah. been a bit more of a success. Of course. Okay, so the just this week, um, Peugeot have shown off their 2021 uh, 2.8, their new small French SUV. Um so this is a fairly important car for Peugeot because Peugeot sales have kind of slumped a big 
you know, significantly, um, particularly throughout COVID. And so this is a pretty important car for them to, to get right. And I think it, from the surface, it looks to be um, hitting the right notes so far. Um, it's priced on 30. Good. Yeah, it, it's kind of, for me, it, it's kind of like a mixture of the Suzuki Vitara um, and the Mitsubishi ASX. And I mean, it takes the best of both of those and puts them together, um, particularly with that orange bronzy color they've yeah. got. And it looks a little longer as well. Like it doesn't sh- look short and stubby. It's actually no. got some nice design and length to it. And like yeah. the current generation of design, um, even like the the f- uh, the wagon that they've got at the moment, that it just looks really, really yeah. nice. And it's a big step up, I think, from the previous design of the two double i i think yeah it, um i think i think what affects peugeot a little bit is isn't the price because this is started you know this starts from thirty five thousand um before you're on road so but but the thing is is that i think peugeot's model not model names are just a little bit too confusing to to follow mm. um and that's just me i, I haven't you know I, I haven't followed peugeot too closely over a long time but i've always just like if you if you told me a number i wouldn't know what that means um which you know some people say that's that's terrible how could you not know but it's just me like you know there's some which have three numbers some that have you know four and i just don't know where it really fits in um even though they've got pretty good looking cars and they're usually pretty well you know pretty well specced as well because they're wanting to, you know, compete pretty hard against, you know, the other other competitors. Uh, but yeah, so it's thirty five thousand starting out. There is a GT model um, coming that will be at forty three nine ninety. So it's not exactly super cheap, but um, you know, this is a, a bit of a niche product as well. Um, but yes, yeah, so you got a, a, a one point two liter three cylinder turbocharged petrol engine uh, producing ninety six kilowatts and two hundred thirty newton meters of torque, um, and the GT Sport at the top um, is that same three cylinder engine with one hundred fourteen kilowatts and two hundred forty newton meters, um, using a new eight speed transmission and um, front wheel drive. So there's no all wheel drive at the moment um, in the range globally, but I'd hope that you know at some point we do get an all wheel drive model, particularly for you yeah. guys down south. Yeah, I think it's, you know, for the size of it, again, it's a, it's a weird, I think it's more of probably even a city car with some kind of like XV kind of market. Yeah. Um, I do love the interior though. Mm. Yeah, it, it's, an inter- it's an interesting design, but um, it's it's quite an, it's an interesting place to be. It's very different to, to a lot of other cars with the interior yeah. and, and their infotainment system, but um, once you spend some time in it, you get, your, you get your head around it on how it works, but... Um, yeah, it's a, it. You know, I think it'll be interesting to see how it sells and watch the um, the sales results over the coming months. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So Ford Escape ST. Um, so it's a basically they're playing around with the idea of um, you know to go against the Tiguan R and the Tucson N line. Um, so yeah, they we don't put get it, the um, what we call the Endura here. They do an Edge ST uh, in the US. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about maybe that they might do, you know, there was talk also maybe the Puma ST is not coming here either, unfortunately. But they yeah. But maybe if they do an Escape ST, that it might come here. So um, I'm a fan of obviously these performance SUVs, but it'll be interesting to see whether it, it does 
happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to see that they're if they are thinking about it, they are looking obviously towards the Tiguan R and the the Tucson N line. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'd be to see what kind of power they puts into it. And, yeah, because they're looking at the it could be the two point three liter EcoBoost. Um, you know that comes out of the Focus ST. Um, but that is a four wheel drive, a front sorry, a front wheel drive um, vehicle where they probably need to go for something that's all wheel drive to sort of match those rivals. And even then, you know that it would need a bit of a tweak in terms of tune as well because the the Focus ST in its current sort of state produces two hundred six kilowatts power, where you know the Tiguan and the Tucson are up around that two thirty five and in and two thirteen respectively. Um, so they need to play around with it a little bit, um, but it'd certainly be a big step up from the ST line that's available in four mm. you know, front wheel drive or all wheel drive that's you know, 183 kilowatts out of a two liter EcoBoost Turbo 4. Um, but yeah, in terms of timing, if anything was to happen, you know, it'd be at least a year for them to develop it and to bring it to market and then you know <laughs> some things you know we always got to wait and see and cross our fingers to see if they yeah. even bring it bring it here I did actually um, see um, today uh, out and about I happened to drive past a holding yard um, for Ford and I uh, happened to see my first look at a Puma and uh, the new uh, yes. um, Escape from a distance and they actually look really good like we always say you know, if you're not sure of a design or something, wait till you actually see it in person and yes. you get an honest opinion of what it looks like. Yeah. And yeah, they look great. Um, the Puma effect it really does look good, and there was a couple in um, uh, some darker colours as well. And I'm not always mm. a fan of the darker colours, but it actually looked really, really good. Um, and yeah, it was quite interesting to see um, just the shape and, and stuff like that of the, of the lines. But yeah, it, um, yeah, I think they're again. It'll be interesting to see how they how they sell, but uh, yeah, they look good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have to uh, <laughs> wait and see more on the road. Yeah. Uh, but this one, this was this was something that I was interesting uh, in. Um, apparently. Uh, the fastback might not make a return yeah, in for the R30N for from yeah. Hyundai. Um, so this article from Cars Guide is saying that um, yeah, uh, it's kind of kind of a weird one, but you know yeah, the because Hyundai don't sell a five door fastback I30 um, option. It's only available in the I30N. Um, currently. According to this, um, accounts for about thirty to thirty-five percent of i thirty and sales, and and that's about right. I see probably about that one-third mix of uh, fastbacks with every i thirty hatch that I see. Um, but they are potentially confirming um, or have all but confirmed that the arrival of an end performance version of the i thirty sedan. Um, so. They're sort of playing around in this article that, you know, will the fastback make its return or not? I do find it a bit weird that they would cut the fastback given that we have already, you know, there have been those spy videos of the updated fastback getting around, um, whether that's just, you know, they're using it as the platform to test it to hide things or what. Um, but if anything, because the i30 sedan styling is quite a bit different to the hatch, mm. um, I, I would probably believe, 
I would welcome an i30N sedan, but I'm not too sure if it hit the str- if it would particularly strike the right notes as the hatch and fastback have. Yeah, it's a shame um, that they, they're talking about getting rid of that fastback. It's kind of a, yeah. It's a weird. It's a weird move. I mean. Particularly when that fastback, the boot in that is monstrous. Mm. It is huge. It is the biggest boot you'll find in that segment, hands down, no, no question about it. And it's just hilarious that it's in a performance car, not a practical car, you know, or anything like that. Mm. But the advantage is obviously you can fit tires and whims and all that kind of thing. But when it comes to doing the shopping, oh man. That w- that is the card to do it in because yeah. of how deep it basically goes all the way down to the floor because you don't get a spare um, or you do get like a space saver tucked all the way at the bottom. But, um, you know, it is such a deep boot. It is brilliant. Um, and it'd be a shame to get rid of that car because I think it looks well, the fact great. That it's 30% of the sales or 30 it's, to 35%. It's huge. Yeah, I don't know whether the sedan, you know, maybe they're getting some feedback that they find that the sedan is... You know, he, he's pop more, gonna possibly be more popular, but yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Yeah, I in its current state, I'm I, I'm not sure if I could get on the um the i30 sedan i30n sedan sort of bandwagon just yet. I, I'm I'd, I'd have to see some sort of render because no one's had a, a a render of it yet. Um, because I yeah I don't know that I'm not too sure. I'm I'll reserve judgment maybe. Yeah. Wait and see what they officially. <laughs> That's it. They will be upset if they cut the fastback. Uh, yeah, I will say that. <laughs> um, but so the, now we're looking a little bit further ahead. Um, but officially, Azuzu have detailed the MUX, but it won't be arriving until late next year because it will be a 2022 model. Um, but obviously, it's you know it's aiming up to take aim at the Pajero Sport, Ford Everest, and the Toyota Fortuna here in Australia and um, but yeah so it obviously is importing a lot from the D-Max and um, but yeah there's just uh, obviously going to a seven seat rather than a dual cab ute yeah it looks good I really like the design and we knew that it was going to be aggressive coming from based on what the um, the D-Max you know design and everything else yeah. but um, yeah it looks good it's got different lines in it you look at it you can see a little bit of Everest, yeah. you can see a little bit of and the, um, previous Jim Pajero Sport. Um, and the interior also looks a lot more premium yeah. um, than previous uh, MUX, at least. I think they've obviously it looks really quite done nice. Their, done their homework and looked at what, Absolutely. You know, what else is in the market and what they're yeah. competing against. Um, and yeah, they're really going to go after it. And I think, yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be a good seller. So, again, another one to look forward to. Mm. Um, it's going to get pretty crowded in that marketplace yeah i think that uh, there'll be a lot of people um yeah you know they've got lots of options to shop around with it will have a bit of a different setup though so while the um yeah the the mux will get a new ladder frame chassis from the d-max but it will have um probably a bit more comfortable suspension as it's going to have double wishbone front um with five link rear suspension as well um instead of a obviously a leafs spring setup so it's just going to be a little bit more you know more comfortable for everybody involved inside that car um but you will still have a choice of four by two or four by four drive chains um you know we expect that not to change um as well as with the four by four potentially coming with a rear diff lock as well so if you want to take it off road um that's still going to definitely remain on the cards for you um as well as a um 
not sure about six-speed manual option, but it will be coming with a six-speed uh, torque converter automatic as standard. Um, but I'm not sure. Do you think people still want a manual in this, or you know, the I automatic, know. particularly I, with off-road capability I can now, of automatic. Max maybe for for the yeah. for the Ute, but for that, I know. I think the, the, it's the same question people are saying about um, the off-road version of the Bronco. The same thing yeah. people were saying that you know, and it's the same with the Jeep Wrangler as well. People say that they want it, but the sales show differently, and that. Manuals don't sell anywhere near as yeah. well as the water. And I think so. if you if you're going off road, uh, your manuals are just a harder to drive these mm. days. Um, the automatics are that good. Yeah, they've come um, so far. You can trust them. They're not going to slip. They're not, you know, it is um, for most circumstances. Uh, much better than uh, what you might have been, you know, doing in the 90s or anything like that. Mm. Um, you know, those automatics are quite a bit different compared to now. Um, but, yeah, so keep an eye out for that. Um, we don't have any pricing or anything like that or even a confirmed uh, spec list for those. It's, we've just had images and obviously uh, this information we can sort of scrounge around from uh, the Cars Guide article that we've got linked in the show notes um, as well as just using a bit of common sense in, in what they've done in the past. Yeah, and can predict what might happen. Yeah. Okay, so quick rundown. So we're just going to run through these headlines of things. We won't discuss too much, but what we're going to. So Volkswagen Touareg, um, they've introduced a Wolfsburg edition starting at 119990 uh, for your V6 diesel, where there's only going to be 200 examples, or the V8 diesel if you're wanting a little bit more power and a higher fuel bill at 139990 And there's going to only be 100 examples of those. In terms of performance, Nothing much changes. Uh, there will be... Um, it's it's pretty much mostly cosmetic. Uh, so you have um, in these uh, things that basically all blacked out um, on the outside. They look quite mean and quite aggressive. Um, but yeah, they are coming. If you're interested in one of those, I'll definitely speak to your dealer sooner rather than later because um, there is, yeah, only 200 of the V6 and 100 of the V8 diesel. Uh, but we've got the link if you want to check out the details in the show notes. Uh, jumping across to Porsche, we've got um, another update for their e-hybrid model. So this time it's in the KN. So they're getting the same battery um, out of the Panamera hybrid. Um, so they're increasing the battery capacity from 14.1 kilowatt hours all the way up to 17.9. So what that just basically means is you're going to be able to drive on pure electric mode just that little bit further, um, which makes it obviously uh, more convenient. And um, you know you can get that little bit more performance out of that. Um, so keep uh, they should be arriving shortly. And um, as always, yeah, it's probably a good time if you are shopping for a KN. Just, um, you know, keep an eye out for which, and you are looking at the e-hybrid, just have a look at which model it is um, that you are looking at, um, particularly if it's a demo or anything like that, because it, it, if you are, in, in you know, caring about range, um, you'll definitely want to make sure that you're getting uh, the updated model versus a, a run out of, um, say, the previous one. But I do know that Porsche stock has been quite thin at the moment, so it might not be something you have to necessarily worry no, about. You might at be the moment. get one, the new one anyway. But like I said, just check obviously the build time and stuff like that to make sure that you are getting on the bigger road. Exactly. All right. So Nissan 
Kashkai Midnight Edition. Uh, so basically, they're, they're saying that Dark Knight Rises um, delivers a unique style, presence, and personality uh, to the Nissan, Nissan Qashqai. Um, ironically, it's not shown in black. It is shown in a dark metallic silver. It kind of looks pretty cool. But it then um, shows off the darker aspects of it. You can actually see it clearer. With, yeah. You know, because it's got a... a Gloss black V-Motion grille, darken LED headlights, uh, gloss black front and rear bumper blades, uh, body-coloured front, rear, side bumpers and wheel arch mouldering, black 19-inch wheels, gloss black mirror caps, gloss um, side mouldering, gloss roof rails. That's a nice touch, gloss black yeah. roof rails. Uh, darkened LED tail lights. You don't have to do the, the usual mod that people have been doing yeah, to the south right. light. They're darkened yeah. already. Um, and gloss black uh, interior accents as well. So yeah. And black roof headliner and then obviously the midnight badge. So I think yeah. that's why they picked that colour to show yeah. it off easier. Um, pretty good value too. 35900 before on-roads um, for the midnight edition and um, arrives in dealerships from mid-November. Uh, so if you're a Jeep owner and um, you're buying some accessories from your dealer, um, I'd definitely be paying attention or aiming to do it sometime soon because Jeep are offering um, a Patriot X3 camper trailer worth uh, about $70,000. And um, if you, the way to enter is you basically swipe the credit card in one transaction for more than $1,000 worth of goodies and your entries in the draw will double as well. But you need to just purchase at least $100 worth of accessories or service your car at an official Jeep dealership. So it's not bad. Not bad way to get you in the dealer mm. as well particularly if you've been going through lockdown and um, have been needing to service your car. Um, it's one of those things you should do anyway. Make sure that you're following that schedule uh, for a huge number of reasons. Um, but if you need any incentive to, to go into Jeep, uh, certainly one that might take your fancy. Uh, then last bit of news before we jump across, um, we'll discuss, have a quick sort of run through of the ANCAP ratings. Um, Mitsoka Buddy um, is a Japanese coach builder and um, they've rebodied a Toyota RAV4 and it makes it look like a true 90s Americana, um, almost like a Chevy um, Blazer or something like that out of the 90s. And man, I'm totally in love with this. It kind of, it looks a little bit like a vehicle out of GTA. Yeah. Um, it's, um, very, I mean. it's kind of a combination with those yeah. sidewall wheels. It's got a bit of sort of 70s stuff and then it's got a bit of sort of GM look about it as well. So yeah. yeah, it's um, it's really really cool. I love people that do this sort of stuff, and um, yeah, and as the the car sales article that we're referring to, that's got the pictures. It's very Chevy Tahoe or Blazer from the nineties. I reckon it's even probably even a little bit of eighties stuff. Yeah, but yeah, I love this mod, and you kind of look at it from the rear. There's one rear shot that still has Rav Four wheels on it, but it kind of I don't know. It, uh, it doesn't look that great it. when you do that. Yeah, it's those kind of original. Uh, yeah, white, so. white alloy, chrome center cut. Um, but it's yeah. launching at the end of the month, so they're going to actually release more um, you know, of the interior as well. Time, so um, yeah, yeah. Talking about scissor doors, so I think you're going to start uh, when we start talking scissor yeah. doors and something like that. I think so. keep it as it is, keep it straightforward. Maybe some yeah. nice touches on the interior, and then I think you're golden. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> All right, so latest ANCAP ratings. Um, all of uh, we've had three vehicles. We skipped it last week by accident, um, but we've got three new vehicles joining um, 
the five-star ranks, uh, the Mazda BT-50, the Audi Q7, and the Ford Escape. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if it really surprises anybody that those three cars should be getting a five-star rating. Seriously worried if um, them got less than, less than five. <laughs> that's right, but there we go. So, but that as um, coming in as expected with those uh, scoring five stars. Um, did you find a bring a trailer vehicle this week? I did, but just to tap off uh, from last week, my oh, yeah? um, Jeep Grand Cherokee Golden Eagle, uh, that sold for 13 uh, The Jurassic Park a Tribute Ford Explorer went for 18 and a half. Uh, 3,000 miles, CDSV Coupe didn't meet reserve. Uh, and the highest bid was 47, so I'm guessing they were looking for probably around about 50 to 60. Yeah. Um, and then the 355 Ferrari sold for 78 and a half. Nice. Is, uh, which is pretty good. So um, I've got a couple of honourable mentions this week. There's an original owner, 900-mile Jaguar F-Type Pro- Project 7. Um, nice. Which is that awesome. Big fan um, of that car. Yeah, it's a great thing. I actually like the Project 8 as well. That's just a little bit cooler because it's um, hard top. Uh, there's an 84 extra cab um, Toyota, which has been made to look like Marty McFly's truck from... Back to the Future. Uh, <laughs> it's currently bidding at 16 grand with six days to go. Um, it looks sensational. It is just so well done. Um, yeah, very, very impressed by that. Yeah. Uh, and then the other little interesting one, and I actually had a conversation with a with a um, with a journo in the US about this. He actually shared it during the week. It's a 91 Mercury Tracer LTS, which is what was our Ford Laser here. Um, and it actually looked... The first look, I actually thought it was a laser and looked at it closer. It's actually, yeah, a Mercury Tracer, which is what they took the basic body that we had and Americanized it with those stupid sliding seatbelts and all that. Yeah. But yeah, we had a conversation about it and said that how they sold it here and that the TX3 was my favorite, that turbocharged all-wheel drive um, version that they made. So this thing's at two grand with six days to go. So I'm intrigued to see how this actually sells up. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing I found was a 91 Maserati Shamal. Um, I love these Maseratis. I don't think I'd ever really want to own one because I'm not sure how reliable they are from that era. Um, <laughs> Probably not very much. No, but um, if you could get a good one, I reckon it'd be all right. This thing's in Canada. Uh, it's got six days left. It's 25 grand. It's beautiful, bright red. But there's just something special about this car. There's one here in Victoria that I've seen, and it's a dark blue, and, yeah, they're pretty special. But my pick this week is a 2014 Mitsubishi G- Mercedes-Benz. Sorry, not Mitsubishi. Mercedes-Benz <laughs> G63 AMG yeah. 6x6. Um, current you bid stole is, mine. <laughs> current bid is half a million dollars, yeah. and it's got 10 days left. Yeah. So, so interesting thing about this one, because this was my pick as well, is that it it was actually imported um, and kind of restricted. It has well, it, it currently previously was restricted to twenty five hundred miles per year because it was brought under a show and um, show and display uh, certificate, um, which is a bit of an odd thing. Mm. Um, and there are some questions around whether the um, future um, future owner would be still uh, restricted by that limitation. So there's a bit of this would be an interesting one to follow because there are some yeah the discussion is that yeah it, it could be a little bit of a risky thing um, to buy particularly if you can't do any more than um, 2,500 miles 
each year. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Still a great so car. So it means that Huge probably fan. it doesn't have to meet emissions. That's correct, um, yeah. Possibly, and, um, yeah, got paperwork from the EPA, you know, saying what it is. But, yeah, um, I'm intrigued to see what... Um, yeah, I don't think you'd really yeah. want it. But obviously, someone wants to buy it because it's done. That's, it's, well, that's it's right. It's at half yeah. a million. Yeah. Um, still got 10 days left. So this will be interesting to watch yep. to see what it ends up selling yeah. for. So for comparison, there is another one for sale, a 2017 model yeah. uh, for sale in Florida. Not through um, Bring a Trailer, but they're asking uh, $1 million. Jeez. Yeah. So, that's... But that's got 4,000 miles on it. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, certainly an interesting bunch of <laughs> a yeah. bunch of cars, but I'm a huge fan, huge fan of that. Yeah, I'll never forget the one Richard Sims, uh, Richard, uh, uh, what's his name? Hammond. Hammond from yeah. um, uh, Hammond from driving through that water park in Dubai in one. I'll never That's right. That. Yeah. That's- yeah, no, it's um. There's only a hundred of them, um. But yeah, certainly big, big yeah. fan. <laughs> Very right, so let's, for America. Let's smash our international uh, news. Um, we we did talk about a little bit prior about doing, uh, talking about the drama that's surrounding the um, SSC world record attempt. Um, but we figured we'll just hold on to that a little bit longer as it's still a developing story. Um, but one car maker that is uh, definitely saying that they can achieve 300 miles per hour. It it isn't a road car per se, but it is a super light hypercar that can top 300 miles per hour, and that is from Bugatti. Uh, the Bolide um, is an 1800 horsepower hypercar um, that's he as the CNN business article says that's even less practical than the powerful multi-million dollar two-seaters the brand usually makes and it's absolutely true they've taken that W16 and um, can basically reworked the entire car to lower the center of gravity lower the driving position um, take their GT vision and just go extreme it's got no headlights um it just looks absolutely mental. Um, and I think through simulations at the moment, um, the projected lap time of the Nürburgring Nordschleife is in the five minutes. I think it's like five minutes, 13 seconds wow. or something like that. Um, now, obviously, that's just simulated, so that doesn't take in any other human element, weather or all that kind of thing. But, you know, for even uh, based on simulation, that is insane. Mm. Um, but they've done incredible things to reduce the body weight. Um, so it just weighs over, and I'm just talking um, uh, in pounds at the moment. So it uh, takes a regular Chiron, uh, which is the road-going version at 4,400 pounds, and they've dropped it down to 2,700, which is insane. Um, they've used basically um, all the screws and fasteners are made from titanium um, and pretty much everything else from the car is made out of carbon fiber or titanium alloys. Um, they've introduced a special skin on the roof that have bubbles and then basically as the car goes faster, the bubbles inflate through from air that's moving through the hood scoop and those bubbles will improve the airflow over that scoop by 10% by and also reducing aerodynamic lift by 17%. And so this is just an amazing engineering feat um, from a brand that doesn't race cars anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has no reason to, to yeah, be exactly. racing. They just 
you know, but yeah, this is insane. Um, you know, the bleed, they're not saying um, in terms of money. Um, the yeah, there's only going to be. Uh, they're not even saying how many are going to be built at the moment. Um, but yeah, this is just insane. Quite quite yeah. remarkable. And I'm so glad they're building this than a compared to an SUV. We don't need more SUVs. We need more crazy experiments. You know, production. You know, not production car, but you know, track focused mm. vehicles like this. That hopefully somebody will buy and drive. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the next thing, yeah. isn't it? It's just weird that they're still they're still out doing this. You know, we thought we'd yeah. seen the end of this sort of run of performance vehicles, and it's still yeah. happening. Yep. Yeah. No, it's quite quite remarkable, and I'm sure no matter how many they build, they'll all sell. Yeah. Anyway, no questions asked. Uh, but going from one super luxury mark to another, um, but. <laughs> Weirdly, um, a little bit more affordable, if you can say that. Um, the 2020 Rolls Royce Earth Wraith um, is a bespoke Wraith model. Um, what they're saying is inspired by Earth, hence the Earth Wraith name. Um, but it arrived in Abu Dhabi and um, has a beautiful, unique airbrushed artwork. Um, depicting the Middle East as seen from space on the bonnet. Um, it took over 100 hours to complete. Uh, it's hand-painted, um, you know, incorporates the sun, plants the solar system, and, yeah, it's got interior rear waterfall embroidery, airbrushed fascia, um, and bespoke starlight headliner. Um, it's kind of crazy. It looks incredible. Not my taste, but certainly... Um, I think it probably goes further to show of what Rolls Royce are capable of, capable of doing, um, in terms of going bespoke for a customer than than mm. anything else, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's a cool idea, and um, they love doing this sort of stuff. And it's always it always produces something that's you know, is literally a work of art for what they've created. So, mm. Um, mm. yeah, it's always and that just, interior is just beautiful. Oh. That blue, that blue wheel, like, and the line along the dash, and then obviously that image on the dash is just, it's just yeah. stunning. Yeah, no, it's absolutely beautiful. And um, yeah, hey, Rolls Royce, if you're listening, I'd love a long term loan. It doesn't have to be this unique <laughs> one, that's fine. But yeah, a long term loan of something similar would be, you know, I'd, I'd happily do it and, and, and showcase the uh, beautiful hand <laughs> painted work and, and craftsmanship that goes into it. But let's move on to something that isn't. Um, uh, slightly different focus. So the GM defense vehicle that we spoke about uh, a couple of months ago or a number of months ago now, um, the $214 million US dollar, million dollar contract um, that was awarded in June. The GM have delivered that first vehicle. And um, yes, it's based off the, the Chevy Colorado uh, the mid-sized pickup truck, or what we knew as the Holden Colorado, and um, you know the big advantage of what they were able to do in this vehicle is um, obviously use about ninety percent of proven commercial off-the-shelf parts, which is pretty pretty important for a military yeah. vehicle. Obviously, availability parts helps drive down the cost, um, and if obviously you know there's. Uh, in certain applications, there's no better way to prove something works than, you know, having millions of vehicles out on the road showing that they work. Mm. Yeah, and the fact that they, like you said, they can use parts from 
um, you know, from the the, the, donate, the donation model uh, is pretty cool. So in terms of being able to fix stuff and things like that, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and even Kia are getting into the military vehicle yeah, space. Yeah, this was an interesting one to come across during the week. I, I kind of uh, had seen something referenced to it, but then when I did the usual run through preparing our notes for the week, it um, yeah, I actually found the release relating to yeah. it. So yeah, it's um, very similar kind of feel and design to the one we've just talked about. Yeah, so it's um, you know, Kia obviously. <laughs> You know, have their own military program because they, you know, they build vehicles for the Korean uh, military as a few, as well as a few other um, customers. And um, yeah, they're developing their next uh, generation of combat vehicles, and um, they're using um, some of their also. Well, they also using um, some of their road vehicles, um, such as the what they called the Borrego over in the US that didn't really last around that long, um, but it had a seven liter. Yeah, you know, a seven-liter diesel engine, um, and using parts of that. So it's it's really interesting when you see some of these things, um, and they're also looking forward at you know autonomous driving technology that they're impl- you know looking at how to implement that, um, as well as things such as fuel cell technology. Um, you know that can not not only just uh, generate electricity for the vehicle to to move forwards, but also electricity that might be you know that could be used in remote situations. Um, you know and using things like hydrogen so it's kind of really interesting to see how you know maybe just not how the americans do it but also how you know other other makers in other parts of the world um you know address these types of needs yeah yeah that that kind of technology you know is running from either the road to the to this sort of stuff or back down the other way so yeah that's right it makes for interesting uh interesting reading and what it is and yeah i'll be interested to see what the final thing looks like Absolutely. And um, the next up will be on November 12, uh, Ford will be unveiling the all-new, all-electric version of the Transit van. Um, It's called the E-Transit. No, uh, obviously we'll have to wait and see if uh, we'll be getting anything like this over here in Australia. But, um, you know, over in the US, the Ford Transit van is the best-selling cargo van in the US. And um, even though it's had, you know, bigger competition from Mercedes-Benz and and no doubt even, you know, things like Renault uh, here in Australia, the e-Transit will be, you know, the first of, you know, probably a lot of electric vehicles going to production for commercial side um and and finally this is an area that tesla even hasn't even looked at um you know addressing this part of the market even though we know that things such as couriers in particular could probably be the one you know the types of drivers that really benefit from an electric vehicle like this well they want to be following what they're doing what rivian's doing I mean, they're obviously involved yeah. with amazon and building a platform yep. for their delivery vans so yeah. yeah there's definitely a market for it um and yeah it'll be interesting to see you know the specs when it lands and what it's going to be capable of doing and particularly what kind of range it's going to get yeah um and i think uh, even the charging technology how that goes um how quickly they'll be able to recharge something that's i think probably the next question of you know what will they be able to do um but yeah it's a i'll be excited to see and hopefully we get a version of it down here um yeah, maybe maybe not straight away, um, no. but I think eventually we will mm. have something in the not too distant future after yeah, launch. Allows for them to, to build a right hand a right hand version. Yeah. 
Okay, and the last bit of news we've got is um, obviously continuing on in a bit more of a commercial vehicle or a practical vehicle sort of a scent. Uh, Fiat Chrysler have, um, you know, the CEO has said that Ram will be offering an electric pickup truck. Um, so really going toe-to-toe with the F-150 electric uh, that is coming and obviously uh, Rivian, um, Tesla, all that kind of thing, GM with their electric pickups as well. Um, so it it makes sense that Ram is going to be you know yeah, producing they need, a they need to be they need to be one of these really. Yeah, and you know obviously GM stepping up with the the Hummer as well. So yeah, it's um again the the competition is increasing and Fiat Chrysler have been lucky enough that they are dipping their toe in you know, their hybrid, at least least electric hybrid tech um, with the Wrangler and, you know, a couple other different models within the Jeep family. And so that's probably, you know, their pathway to, you know, to making a a fully electric Ram truck. But it'd be exciting to see. And hopefully, you know, all of these things, are. it's all about what range will they be getting and, and, um, you know, what uh, advantages will they have and, Obviously, compared to the diesel uh, monsters, which you know, petrol monsters that they make, you know, we've got the the Ram TRX that does seven hundred and two horsepower, um, but it also, you know, is a complete destroyer of petrol at the same yeah. time. But um, and the fact is that you know we know the arrangement that happens with Ram here in Oz. So if it's going to be made, you know, are we going to see it come down here? Could it be one of the first? sort of electric utes to, to hit the market here. We already know that they're, they're coming. So um, it's got interesting, um, you know, results for what could happen here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. It's almost time for the for the Formula One race for us to, to settle down and um, see what drama unfolds in Imola. Uh, but when you're recording, uh, when you're listening anyway, um, that race will be all but wrapped up and... Before you know it, we'll be back again talking about the you know the the week of news that has been. Um, if you do love listening to the show, make sure you leave us a review on um, particularly on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. We a we love the feedback, but we also um, it helps us in getting discovered as well. And um, if you do have any questions, um, whether you you know what car to buy or things that you'd like us to review, uh, send us an email shows at dailyautofix.com. Uh, you can follow Joel at Joel Strick Photo or Daily Auto Fix at Daily Auto Fix. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Thanks again, Joel. No worries, Ash. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, of course. And um, yeah, we'll see you all next week. See you next week. <laughs>